Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your word that leads us to triumph, that leads us to victory, that leads us to a purpose-filled life with, with great intensity. And Father, we just pray that you open the eyes of our understanding, that you remove everything that comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. We rebuke Satan right now, the, the, the father of lies, the deceiver, the angel of death. We rebuke him over our lives and over our families, and we declare the blood of Jesus. We declare freedom and joy and peace and purpose and fruitfulness, Lord. We pray today for your word, that it would serve as a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we not stumble and go astray, Lord. We give you thanks to be in the gathering. You say, if two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there. And we feel you here now, Lord. We know that your presence is here in our midst. So we pray for your blessing upon your word and instruct our hearts and open our eyes and let us see everything that you have for us, Lord. We give you thanks for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and to be glad. We give you thanks that you care about the young. You care about the elderly. You care about men and women. You have come to seek and save that which was lost, Lord. So bless and prosper your words this morning and allow it to be a good seed planted in good hearts that will bring forth a good harvest that glorifies your name, Lord. Let your word be like a double-edged sword that comes in deep into our lives and separates the emotions from the spirit Lord you said that if we think according to the spirit we'll have life and peace and if we think according to the flesh we'll have darkness and death oh God so we pray father the victory of Jesus over the house of God over the people of God father we pray for blessings in our finances and in our future according to your purpose in Jesus name we pray amen and amen it is Psalm 19 that talks about the declaration of God over the earth. Uh, I think it's Psalm 19, verse 1. The glory of God, the heavens manifest the glory of God. We were talking about that this week. It says the people of God are those that inherit his glory, those that are recipients of something that's supernatural. The opposite of glory is shame. The absence of glory is seeing things twisted and turned and dark. If you see the countenance of your children and the despair that they have, uh, these um, group of Gothams, the, the group of Gothic youth, the youth that go in to schools and shoot up their the student peers and they shoot up their teachers and, and all that's going on, uh, the university campuses, this the abs absent of the glory of God. The absence of the glory of God in Hebrew is the word Ichabod because the word Kabod is glory as written in the New Testament, Kabod. Kabod uh, signifies something of weight, something that is grounded, something that is firm. Everything else that's not Kabod is passing. The wind blows it away. It's a house that's built. There was a, a lady who says that as she would see summer after summer, her children would go down to the beach and build sandcastles. 
and they were great and they would spend hours and she says I stopped going down there because within a couple of hours the tide would come up and would destroy the sandcastle there would be nothing left so she says I didn't I didn't want to build something that wouldn't last and a lot of people feel the same way with their families why why should we go get married if it's not going to last why are we going to start uh, a family if it's going to be broken and fall to pieces? So the absence of glory is Ichabod. But the works of God are glorious, and they stand forever. Anything that God makes has a long standing. If you build your life according to the instruction of God, it will be around for a long time. And so that is what we long for. Um, it is the glory of God. Let's put it back up there. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 1. It is that which expresses the works of his hands, his handiwork. The firmament, the things he has created declare his glory, the things that his hands have done. Have you seen when a man's hand has done something, how horrible it comes down? A man usually will glory in things not of God, it's Jeremiah chapter 9, I believe, verse 23. It's three things that men glory in in this lifetime. The three things are in his wisdom. You'll see a man who, who begins to learn so much and his intellect up here, he starts boasting and he, he inflates like a big toad and he puffs up, look, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an accountant, I'm an engineer, I'm an architect. He, he says, let not the wise man, the intellectual man, glory in his wisdom. I've seen men that glory in their wisdom, and all of a sudden, in just one instant, everything is gone. All their wisdom is gone. They get in a car accident, and they have to learn how to write. They have to learn how to read again. They have to learn how to walk again. In one moment, the wisdom of man disappears. Let not the strong man glory in his might. Has anybody seen Muhammad Ali lately? He can't even speak. He has huge ailments because his strength was gone. After he had boasted for so many years, there's nobody like Muhammad Ali. I fly like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. I'm the world champion Muhammad Ali. And if you look at him now, he could barely walk. He could barely talk. He barely, I, I believe just the, the weakest man in the world could beat him up right now. And so the strength of man's might that his glory is in, all of a sudden you'll see in one second his inability to be able to go forward. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. One of the richest men in the world was Howard Hughes. He had so much money, and all of a sudden he is gone. He becomes a psychopath. He loses his mind and has to be driven around by the Mormons who take his wealth. Um, and so all this stuff is, is the glory of the world, the glory of man, the glory of his strength. Uh, I suggest that if today you are glorying in something, you listen to what the Word of God says. Primarily, the Lord says, let not the wise man glory, let not the, the, the mighty man glory, let not the rich man glory. Whatever your glory is, whatever you think is your strength, make sure you transfer it today to verse 24 where he says, but if he's to glory, let the man glory in the Lord. Let him glory him who glories glory in that he understands and knows me. The glory to know God, to understand him, to walk like he walks, that I am the Lord and I exercise my love and my judgments and righteousness in the earth. 
For in these I delight, says the Lord. It's a whole different garment. It's a whole different mind frame. You wake up in the morning, you're not saying what I want, what I need, where I'm going, me, myself, and I. You're saying, Lord, forget about me. What do you want? Where do you want? When do you want? How do you want? And so you'll see that when you walk in the glory of God, those things remain forever. They never pass away. The things done for the glory of God, they do not fade. They abide forever. You don't understand that. We're very foreign to this concept. But a lot of people live for the glory of this world, and a lot of people have chosen to live for the glory of God. Look at what, the, look at what we put as the title of this message today. It's um, World Changing Others, Glory or Ichabod. I-C-H-A-B-O-D, Ichabod. Where's this term come from? It's the absence of glory. It's when the glory leaves. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you seen the glory leave? Where there's no more manifestation of the handiwork of God in your lives? Imagine if God's hand were to touch your finances. That you would begin to manifest the perfection of the beauty of God's handiwork. That's what glory is. That, that God would be your provider. That he would be the source of your strength. That you would lack nothing. I, I just told a, a couple in my office last week. I said, you know something? Um, when God is present in your finances, the word that relates to it is something called abundance. What is abundance? Abundance is that you have enough for yourself, you have enough to share, you have enough for every need that comes across your pathway. How many would like to have a bank account with abundance? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, I hope that you don't get anything. How many wish they had abundance in their bank account? That means the measure of God's glory. The measure of the faithfulness of God who supplies to meet all your needs. You have a smile on your face and you have enough to put a smile on other people's faces. That's called abundance. It's the measure of God's gifting. You should, uh, and you'll see it, it's in John 10.10. 10. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to deprive you, diminish you, take your health, take your finances, take your wealth. And the, the, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He might reduce you to just a little bit and diminish you to nothing, but he wants to wipe you out. He's not satisfied with leaving you just there in existence. He wants to wipe you out. But here comes Jesus and he says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That means the way of God opens the doors of the heavens at levels that will leave you Far blown away. Uh, the Bible says that he's come to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above what you pray and ask. That means that your prayer is way above what you even thought was possible. That's why the Bible says that when you see the handiwork of God, it will be like if you're dreaming. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, It will be the provision of what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, has never come into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Things that God already has put in a place ready to give to those that walk for the glory of God and not for the glory of this world. 
So let's define glory this morning because it's foreign. You don't see parents praying for their kids in the morning. Father, fill my child with your glory in Jesus' name. That should be the prayer every morning. That my son this morning would be filled with your glory. That my daughter might be filled with your glory. That our family would be filled with your glory. That your glory would be all over this church, in this world, in Jesus' name. Those are the prayers that are consistent with the definition to glory. It says that glory is defined by the infinite beauty and greatness of his many manifold perfection. What's that mean? Put yourself in an analysis. Put yourself in a laboratory. Begin to check all your levels to see if they manifest the perfection of God's beauty. Of everything God wants in your life. We know when that is subtracted, uh, things begin to get full of bitterness and resentment. We begin to lose our joy. We begin to lose our peace. I I have a question for you. If these things were normal, then why are we sad when they come into our lives? When you lose your money, do you get happy or do you get sad? You get sad. Why? Because you were created to have vast provision. It's God's design. God doesn't want you to be stripped. He says the thief comes to steal from you. I've come to give you abundance. It's not a message of prosperity. It's a message of health. When we get sick, we get sad. But when we're healthy, there's joy. There's a skip in our walk. It says, the Bible says, in, in the time of the glory of God, we make our boast. Look what it says in Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says that, that God wants to revisit the whole world and, and fill it with his glory. That's what he destined all things to when he created them. He says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has been placed upon you. The glory of God is, is to envelop you entirely. How many know what glorious thoughts are? How many know what a glorious expression of your existence is? The exuberance of victory, a champion's life, when God's glory is upon you. Verse 2, it says, Arise and let this light come, the glory of the Lord. Behold, darkness is covering the earth, deep darkness, all the people. But it says, Not to you. The Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The difference between glory and darkness is is the shining light of God that comes and overpowers darkness in your life. Every deception, everything that's distance, disconnecting you from his glory. The Bible says real clearly there's one thing that causes you to disconnect from this reality. A lot of people say, Pastor, you're on drugs this morning. You are stoned. You are blown away. You're talking things I don't understand. Well, listen to Romans 3.23 and see if this matches. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Could you see your name up there? It's the second word. All have sinned, have, have done things different than what the Lord says. When, when I first became a Christian, I was 16. They gave me this paperback Bible. I just gave it to this young man. And I read, honor your mother and father. And I said, no. He says, I said, why should I? He says, because everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life. I said, okay, you convince me. 
Once I started reading the word of God, my attitude started lining up with God's purpose, and then the glory of the Lord came. If I would have said no, if I would have been rebellious and disobedient, if I would have said, I'm going to throw a tantrum, I'm not going to walk in the ways of the Lord, I don't care about God, I'm going to throw this Bible in the trash. No. All have sinned and therefore fall short of the glory of God. You know what I did at 16? I said, Lord, all I have is a bunch of guilt and shame, disobedience and rebellion. All I am is disconnected and distant. The hope of your glory is that I find the victory over sin. You know what Jesus Christ came to do? He came to destroy the power of sin. So if he destroys the power of sin in our life, what's the result? Glory. He begins to usher things that God intended for your life since day one. All have sinned. All are lazy. All are proud. All are rebellious. All are disobedient. That's why they're not seeing the glory of God. You start saying, and I write this in one of my books, you start uh, um, adding all your thoughts away from God. Every decision you've made, every step you've taken that has disconnected you and pulled you away from God's purpose, and you have Ichabod. You have no glory. The glory has departed from your family, from your marriage, from your children, from your finances, from your faith, from your ministry, from the purpose in life. As you rebel, as you disobey, as you do not line up with his word, instead of being, uh, let's go back to Isaiah, Isaiah 60 verse 2, darkness has fallen upon all the earth. When you see darkness has overtaken the people, and it says deep darkness, how many have seen that in our day more than ever? More than ever, darkness has invaded us. And that's why people love Batman, the prince of darkness. They love Gotham City, the, the, the city of darkness. They love a- anything that relates to darkness. The Harry Potter books, a hundred years ago, they would have burned those witches that write these books teaching our kids witchcraft. The definition of witchcraft in the Bible is called rebellion. You know that you're into witchcraft, you're a warlock, when you walk away from God's standard and God's instruction. And so in our day, it's become uh, even theme parks will block out whole areas to make it the Harry Potter uh, theme park selection. And you'll go there with your children, they'll say, go ahead and buy a magic wand. And everybody brings a magic rebellious stick back home where they want to zap their parents into frogs and their teachers into toads and they want to walk in rebellion. And guess what? We think it's funny, but it's not funny. The devil's having your lunch and there's going to be no glory in your life. There's going to be shame. This week, the uh, 44-year-old, the world's greatest chef, some guy by the name of Bonniot, a Swiss-French guy was declared last month the number one chef in the whole world. Well, last Sunday, he shot himself in the head with a shotgun. He took his life at the age of 44. When he's at the climax and at the very top of his career, now it was going to be enjoying the fruit of his labor for the rest of his life. He wasn't able to because the glory of the world is passing. It offers no peace. It offers no prosperity. It's momentary. That's why I like Psalm 26, verse 8. The Bible says, where David, and this is my my declaration, Lord, I love the place where your glory dwells. I have loved the habitation of your house. I love this place, this place here within the four walls, the house of God, the place where your glory dwells. What is the dwelling place of his glory? Uh, Gary, stand up a second. This gentleman was, was a, a, one of the biggest drug dealers here in Miami. 
from the age of 17 to 27, for 10 years, all he did was beat up people and sell drugs and be involved in gangs and violence. And we saved Dade County hundreds of thousands of dollars because he walked into the house of God. <clears throat> and now he's a faithful son. And he walks in obedience. He walks in and he knows the word of God like nobody. He prays like nobody. It's the glory of God. You can have a seat, sir. The glory of God is in this place. Uh, Yoan and Kathy stand up. A young couple that didn't have a clue what a marriage was. And in the last three years, they started putting their lives in the order of the word of God. They were following after the prosperity and the blessing of this world, and they were destroying their marriage. So they got here just some years ago, and they began to line up their lives to the instruction of biblical counsel like I haven't seen for a long time. And the joy and the peace and the prosperity, not like this world. He says, not like the peace this world promises, but my peace I give you. And so they're enjoying their marriage. They're enjoying their family. Their children are, are, they have a safe haven at home. They're able to see in their parents' relationship, not the glory of wisdom or the glory of might, but the glory of the Lord. And that is powerful. You may be seated. And on and on and on it goes. We could sit here all day talking about how God has transformed men and women in this place. Uh, Rafael Contreras, stand up please with your wife. Uh, this man came. At what age did you come, uh, Ralph? 60? 60 years old. And he says, you know what? I think it's time that I do it God's way. And he began to read the scriptures, and, and he's intense about the reading of the word and of the listening of the messages and the sermons. He's a pastor, I'm going to go study on this one some more. And lining up his life has brought peace, joy, prosperity, hope, wisdom, at far beyond the years that he's lived without the God. In the last three years, he's seen God's mercy and grace and the glory of God. So sit down, sir. Thank you very much. This is what, this is what David is saying. This is what David is saying when he says, Lord, I've loved the habitation of your house. It's a cursed thing to hate the house of the Lord. It's a cursed thing thinking that coming to the house of the Lord is a burden. It's not. It's a place of restoring your strength, or refreshing, to, to bring back the intensity of God's presence. Lord, I've loved this place, your dwelling of your house. And listen what he says about this place. It's the place where your glory dwells. This is where we see the glory of God. And, and on and on, each one of us that are sitting here have seen God's might and his power and his goodness come upon our life. It levels that we could never even have dreamed of. Uh, yesterday, I was with a couple, and it says, every time I see your children, we were sitting at the table having dinner on Friday night, and they were saying, every time I see your children, a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old daughter, I, I get recharged because of the hope and the strength and the vitality and the exuberance and, and they just, just want to live life according to God, according to God's plan. They're not overwhelmed. They're not intimidated. It's not gloom and doom. It's an excitement about sharing the glory of God in this world upon their lives. Lord, I've loved your house. I love this place because it's where your glory dwells. It's where I get to see the manifestation of your goodness. That's what Moses asked God in Exodus 33, 18. You ever ask God, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see it. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so that was Moses too. He says, Lord, please show me your glory. Please show me this reality that, that 
the pastor's talking about. Show me, show me that the real, that you care about me, that you're good towards me, that I can see your life. And then God says in verse 19, he says, look, I'm going to let you see a little bit. I'm going to pass by. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion upon whom I'll have compassion. I'm going to show you who I am. A lot of people don't know what it says in Isaiah 43, 7, where he says that God created us for his glory. And so when we're not seeing this, it's because the devil is blinding you and he's stripping you of your glory. That's why a lot of men run and they're ashamed. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed them. Yes, I have made them. Don't let the devil deceive you thinking that you were not created for God's glory. Don't let the devil steal from you to think for one second that you were to walk in shame. That's why in Psalm 8 verse 5, in 8 verse 4, um, David says, Lord, what is man? What is man that you are mindful of him? He's, he's like, when he sees a lot of men, he's like, man, this is a poor excuse for existence. This is a poor excuse for a father. This is a poor excuse for a husband. Let's go to verse 4 real quick. When he says, what is man? What is man that you're mindful of him and even his offspring that you should visit him? Why is God interested in man? What is man? You know what man is, verse 5? He says, man is to be crowned with glory and honor. That was his purpose with man. You have made him a little lower than angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. So the question is this morning, where has the glory gone? Why have we not been able to introduce the glory to our sons to our daughters to our grandchildren why isn't there an inheritance of greatness and goodness upon our lives I'll tell you why because it's Romans 3:23. we have departed we have decided when God says take a right we take a left when God says yes we say no when God says no we say yes we have kidnapped our lives we have kidnapped our children and brought them over to the glory of man to the glory of this world there's a lot of glory in this world, uh, a lot of hype. Uh, you see how they do it every year with the Super Bowl, everything like, ah. It's over the top, millions upon millions of dollars invested in one day. Beyonce is out there with all the performance, with all these guys. I tell you that the glory of God, Matthew 4, 8, was offered to Jesus Christ. When the devil took him to a very high place and says, look, he showed them all and says the devil took him up exceedingly high. Who wants the devil to be your tour guide? I don't want the devil to show me anything this world has to offer. I don't want to be number one for the devil. I don't want to be number one for the world. I want to be number one for the Lord. Amen. I want to do his bidding. It says the devil took Jesus very high upon a mountain. And when he took them high, 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 he showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. The glory of this world passes. It's here for a second and disappears. How many know the name Joe Montana? I'll tell you what about Joe Montana. Four Super Bowl championships. And today, nobody cares. Nobody cares about Joe. Joe is a dropout. He's a left out. He's a... Nobody cares. 
And yet the world continues to glory with the Super Bowl season and Super Bowl game. And the glory is passing tomorrow. Half of us are going to be real upset. Because our team would have lost and the glory is gone. And then the other half, by next year's time, your team would have passed. The glory of the Seahawks have passed. The glory of the Patriots has passed. God doesn't offer you a glory that's passing. God offers you a glory that abides forever. How do I know? It says it right there in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says like this. He says that we're beholding Jesus as in a mirror. We're seeing his reflection. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all, say all. All. With unveiled faces, without playing the hypocrite, without playing the, the, the facade, we behold as in the mirror the glory of the Lord. We could see it today. I, I, you know, maybe before you came into this place today, you didn't see it. You didn't know what the glory was. Now you're being able to see, to understand what God has called us to from the beginning. So we're beholding his glory. As we see that glory, we're being transformed to be like him in that same image from glory to glory. The things don't stay the way they are. You either go into deeper darkness and sadness and the devil has your lunch, or you're being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, even unto the same image of Christ through the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place, and that's why there's that understanding of God's purpose. There's the understanding that, that man was created. Let's go now to Psalm 8, verse 5. He says he was created a little bit lower than the angels, but the Bible says God had crowned him. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Where has the glory gone? Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and fallen short. We're not seeing what God wanted us to see because sin has come into our life in one way or the other through rebellion, through disobedience, through glorying in other things, other priorities, and we've lost the glory of God. And so in that regard, we see several times, Roman, uh, John chapter 9, verse 1, there's, there's a young man, and he's blind from birth. And you're stripped from the ability to see from the time you're a child, and you're like, that's not fair. Why would God do that? Maybe it was his parents who sinned. Maybe his great-grandparents were into witchcraft and santeria and brujeria. And the Bible says as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Well, when you see something where the glory of God is absent, I want to tell you that that on Monday we were invited to pray for a young girl at the hospital there at Jackson. The doctors have said that her kidneys were not working and she's fallen into a comatose state and she's being challenged by cancer. And so we walked in there and prayed for her and we have reports that her kidneys began to work and we started seeing the glory of God come in her life. 15-year-old girl. Beautiful little girl. They showed me the pictures before and after. I couldn't believe it. it looked like one of my nieces. In all splendor and glory and in one second, no hair, in a state of comatose between life and death, doing dialysis, and, and, and more on eternity side than on this side. And the question that would be normal to ask in verse 2 is why was this little girl going through this? The disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man who is blind? Or was it his parents that he, that's why he was born blind? Why, why this lack of glory? Why, why sickness? Why lack of help? What's going on here? 
And then Jesus answered, verse 3, this has nothing to do with who sinned. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that I should do the work of my Father so that his glory would be revealed. So that the glory of God would be present in a place that had no glory. And that's the same thing he says two chapters from now when his best friend is in uh, a time of sickness. And they ask him the same thing in John chapter 11 verse 4. Two chapters down, Lazarus is stricken by death. And Jesus has not got there in time. And they ask him the what question. When Jesus heard that he said this sickness, when he heard that his friend had died, he says this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God. This sickness is so that my glory could come upon his life. The Son of God might be glorified through it. God wants to show his hand in everything where his hand has not been in. Wherever there is sin, wherever there is the despair, wherever there is distress, wherever there is depression, God wants to fill the earth with his, with his glory. God wants to come and have a visitation in that place. And we should welcome his glory to come upon our lives. We should pray that God might come in. Look what happened in verse 38 in this chapter. He says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And in verse um, uh, 38, they tell him again, Jesus again groaning in himself came to the grave and there was a, uh, it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Verse 39. What do we see when, when there's that challenge of his glory to come? Jesus says, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of him who was dead. The sister said to him, Lord, by this time, it's so... It, there's a stench. It smells horrible. He's been dead for four days. What, why are you messing with something that is so grotesque? Well, nobody would go in that place. It was about four years ago. We were sitting right here, and it was a resurrection Sunday. Imagine this, Easter Sunday, and we're talking about the power of the resurrection. We're talking the power of life, that when things are dead, they come back to life. And right here in the second row, we have a the number one porn star, pornography star of Europe was sitting in the second row. This is a young lady. She had been known in all of her country as a, a perverted and always coming out in the magazines naked. And I'm like, Lord, I wish she wasn't here this morning. I felt embarrassed. What, what is a porn star doing here? And I was pre preaching the same verse. And, and the Lord told me, you smell a stench, but I'm going to turn her back to the glory I created her to be. Wow. Wow. When we think there's no hope and God is saying, pull back the stone because I want to see my glory. I want to see a young lady who's dignified and honorable. She accepted the Lord that day. She wept for weeks after that visitation from the Lord. Look what it says in verse 39. John 11:39. Take away the stone, Martha. And she says, there's a bad stench. There's things here that don't concord with dignity and health and strength. Verse 40, and Jesus says like this, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? If you partner with me, if you get on my same footing, if you align yourself up with my word, I'm going to show you my goodness in the land. And a lot of men need 
to begin to partner with God in many different aspects of their life. They have to begin to say yes and amen. Uh, when we have our men's meeting here on Monday night, when the men don't show up, you know what they're telling me? They prefer Ichabod. They prefer no glory. They don't want to know what manhood is about. They don't want to redeem their children or their grandchildren. They don't want to have a legacy of blessing and glory from generation to generation. To me, I don't understand that. I don't understand why men want to continue to carry the stench of death, destruction, disobedience, laziness, not to have the priority to seek the glory of God. That's how it was there in 1 Samuel 4, verse 21. When the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen, when the, when the sons of Eli had been killed, when Eli fell backwards and cracked his neck and he was no longer alive, then she named the child of that family Ichabod. She named the child Ichabod. Why would you leave that as the inheritance to your children? Why would you want to walk with that nickname Ichabod? Kabod, talking about glory, Ich means it's gone. The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband, the sons of her father-in-law, Eli, they were both dead. That's, that's the expression of no more glory. You have decided that, that you don't want to be enveloped with his goodness and with his strength. The Bible says that we're to do anything, we're to do it for the glory of God. We're to walk clothed with his glory. When the people look at your lives from now on, they'll say, how did it happen? How did this take place in your life? You'll see it there in 2 Chronicles 5.14. The Bible says that they all came along with the musicians and the trumpets and the singers to make themselves heard with one voice. When we gather as one people, the priest could not continue ministering. Let's go to verse 13. I dream of the time, not when one person decides to come to Jesus and, and get his life straight and connected and start, but if we all as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals of music and praised the Lord saying he is good and his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Verse 14. There came upon that people that the priest could not continue to minister because the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Imagine the outpouring of God's beauty and perfection in every one of our lives. Without absence, without disconnect, without distancing ourselves. And then everyone will be able to see the witness that God is here with us. That's why the Bible says whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Let's stand this morning. I mean, you have a, a closer concept of what it is to be filled with the glory of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says like this, we beheld his glory. We were able to see the glory of God because it became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. When we act like Jesus, we talk like Jesus, we move like Jesus, we're faithful like Jesus, the glory of God will be upon the earth. And the Bible says that he desires that his glory would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have room for glory in your life? Do you have room for glory in your finances? Listen, not the expression of what you can do, but the expressions of what God can do when you do what God's word says you do. And so this is left, and I've been talked to lately by many people, and they tell me these words, we don't understand. 
After we say everything, the people says, I still don't get it. I don't understand. I'm going to answer like Jesus answered the people of his days. The reason you don't understand is because you don't want to do the will of God. It's not because I was talking Chinese this morning. If we weren't talking a level of calculus math that you don't understand. It's simple. If you do things as God has called man to do things, if we believe, we'll see the glory of God. We'll see God's faithfulness in our family and our children. Father, thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word of God that you have delivered into our hearts this morning as a good seed planted in good hearts. Pray that the devil does not snatch this seed and we get engaged in the glory of this world, Father, and the pursuits of the things that the devil says, bow down and I'll give you the glory that I have for you. Lord, that we might bow down to Jesus Christ, that we might see the glory of God upon our lives, our families, our children, our finances, our future, our purpose, our health. We give you thanks, Lord, for that little girl who's at the hospital. We give you thanks for Stephanie, Lord. We give you thanks for her roommate, Jonathan, who also responded to prayer and saw your power and your grace awaken him up, oh God. We pray, Lord, that each one of our lives would be filled with your glory, not with the glory of this world, not Ivy League diplomas, not the glory of strength, of might, of riches, but the glory of the Lord that the glory of God would come into our lives in our thoughts, words, and actions, that we might see your glory, O oh God, that we might see your joy, your peace, your prosperity, your protection, your provision. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us to this understanding. And Lord, we want to transfer over from darkness to light, from sadness to joy, from sickness to health, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen and amen. Greet one another in the name of the Lord.